Conesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. My name is Sarika and I'm sitting here with my brother Aaron. And my name is Aaron and I'm sitting in nowhere near my sister Sarika because it's Zoom. But that's what we do now. We Zoom call for our we, post-show chats. We do. We Zoom call for our post-show chats. And this week we are talking about our extra big, extra chunky, extra long, extra cool Oshin and Patrick story that was released on Patrick's Day. It gets less cool when you call it extra cool, but anyway, uh, yes, it was uh, a bigger, badder, chunkier, rounder. Every time we think of chunky, you just think of that hippo uh, from Madagascar. <laughs> I'm round, I'm big, I'm chunky, sorry. Um, I think of the cat named Ziggy. Cushy chunky. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. The cat that nobody else but our immediate family knows yep. as Ziggy. Um, I at least had a, some form of reference. You, you had a cultural reference. I had a very specific, very personal reference. It's fine. She's very cute. Anyway, you'll be listening to this, uh, hopefully, uh, from the comfort of your own homes or the wilds out there somewhere where uh, you've hopefully listened to the Oshin and Patrick story that we released on Patrick, Patty's Day, Patrick's Day. And we had a lot of fun putting that story together. And it was kind of a, a mad, it is a mad story. And we're here to dissect this mad story because I guess the first point to talk about is Oshin and Tiernan Og is a very well-known Irish story. In fact, when people say, oh, I don't know anything about Irish mythology, they might know the name Cucullin, they might know Fionn McCool, and they almost definitely know Oshin and Tiernan Og. It's like yep. even every Irish person from you know, primary school has at least an introduction to this story, whether mm-hmm. or not they've forgotten it or not. There is, it's been there. It's, it's been in the psyche. It's, it's in there. It's one of those ones that I think is very kind of part of the, it's part of the collection of like sad exile stories that a lot of Irish people know. Cause I think if, if you only know one or two, you know, the real weepies and that's a real weepy. Cause it's about a guy who, you know, starts out really nice. He's there with his dad and the Fianna and everything's groovy. And he meets a really gorgeous lady on a, on a white horse and he goes off to fairyland with her and lives there in just chill bliss for years and years. Nobody really knows how many years. And then he decides that he misses his dad and his mates and he comes home and a thousand years have passed and everybody's dead. It, it's, you know, it reminds me that one of the, when I just say that is like one of the ways of, of maybe justifying or understanding why this story is, how famous it is, is because there are so many diaspora, Irish diaspora all over the world. And I guess our brother is one. He's living in Guatemala and, uh, you know, he's been there for 10 years now. And I kind of sometimes think that he's just in this Tiern and Og area. Like he's just in the land of fun and frolics and he's a farm and it's lots of work as well. But at the same time, you know, there's a level of he's off in the fairyland. He's off in the, the wild unknown. And the of the romanticism then of him thinking and even talking to me about it of coming back home or being in Ireland and the different difference the grass is always greener idea and I think Spansel Hill just jumps to mind the mm-hmm. song you know like that kind of feeling of you're in the new land you're in the new world but God to remember back home and to come back mm. home where it is gra- sad and damp and wet and cold for ages and I, I think that's always 
that's always the nostalgia of the person who leaves and the person who comes and the, the grief of the person who comes back because, mm. you know, I mean, I didn't, I, I, you know, like a lot of people left Ireland for a couple of years and then came back again. But even then there's a serious dislocation because you come back and things have changed. Even if you're only gone for a couple of years, you come back and like your friends are not where you left them and your family's not where you left them. And even if it's only been a couple of years, it feels like you're coming back to a new place. So it it is a, I think it really does speak to something that, I think that's one of the reasons why it is such a well-known story is that it speaks to an experience that a huge number of Irish people have had because we are a country where people, people tend to emigrate for a short while or a long time or a lifetime. And that is an experience that generations and generations of Irish Irish people have had of leaving. And then if you do get to come back, you go, oh, this is not this is not what I thought it was anymore. This this place that was static in my memory has moved on without me and I don't know where I fit in it anymore. And like that's a that's a, you know, like I said, even when it's only a couple of years, it's it's a really kind of. I think dislocating experience and it's one that an awful lot of Irish people have had to one degree or another. So it's massively. just this massively important myth. And the 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 version of it that we're telling today or the version of it that we're telling for the, the Oshin and Patrick story is actually kind of, it's sort of not in there. Like it's kind of, it's kind of glossed. Um, it's sort of assumed that people know it a little bit or know enough about it that we don't have to go back over it again because it's so well known. Um, because what we're talking about in this story, of course, is what happens after Oshin comes home. Because in a lot of versions of this story, he falls off the white horse at the end of Oshin and Tiernan Ogan, he dies. So he has that grief of, of the exile returning and going, oh, everything has changed. And then he tries to leave again and that doesn't work either. <laughs> and he falls off his horse and he lands on the ground. And as soon as he lands on the ground, the time that he was outside of comes back on him. And he he withers into an old man. And in, in a lot of versions of it, he turns to dust. He's yeah. just gone. And in this story and in this version of the story and in the, the story of Akalivnus and Yorika, the conversation of the elders, he's brought to the wisest man in that time. And that is Patrick, who is not St. Patrick yet, but is just Patrick because you're not canonized to lefty day. So I guess, you know, we have a, a, a global celebration that celebrates St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day and rivers in Buenos Aires get, you know, pumped full of green um, and we're like not you know, not to mention New York, uh, the parade in the world to celebrate Irishness. And it's kind of a funny one that it's landed on. You know, it had to be somewhere because obviously, I don't know, Irish people are just not that quiet are good at staying quiet we just were very loud uh we want to celebrate we you know we get a day everyone kind of gets a day <laughs> listen, um, the timing of patrick's day is very well timed for irish people because it happens right in the middle of lent and it was widely acknowledged that irish people could not go 40 days and 40 nights of self-denial right other cultures the big blowout celebration is like your mardi gras which is like right before lent and it's like, get it all out of your system, lads. Irish people are like, no, no, no. We're going to have Pancake Tuesday. <laughs> and then midway through, we're going to have a massive piss up. And then we're going to get back on the horse again the next day. 
Um, that was kind of, <laughs> that's why Paddy's Day became as big as it did because of the Irish Catholic thing and the like, oh, Lent, 40 days, oh. man. 40 days is a lot of days. And if we could just take a little break in the middle of the 40 days, that would make it, that would make it a lot a lot easier on all and of sure us. look so he's a saint anyway so like clearly you know <laughs> because he's a saint we're only celebrating saints so we have to have a drink with our saint like obviously we're doing this whole thing for jesus uh, it's the, all the, about the 40 days the religion the saint <laughs> which we kind of talked about in our last <laughs> podcast in this intro as well as like how how christianity and paganism and and these different traditions it's not like it was a one and done it's not like it was a hey paddy's here and now everybody's christian and there's no more conversation uh, it's a sort of an ongoing negotiation between paganism sure. and Christianity in Ireland. And I guess we kind of like, you know, there's this semi-historic, it's kind of like the uh, King's stories, you know, in a way, you know, or the King's cycle of, of stories. Uh, you know, we have this semi-historic kind of figure that seems to definitely have existed. There's a lot of evidence that he did. And then he, he's become mythologized, you know, and mm -hmm. there's a big mythology that's built up around him and lots of stories that are linked in with him. And this is definitely kind of, you know, one of the reasons we love kind of tapping into what he represents and what kind of an archetype he kind of actually portrays and how we kind of encode all of the information he's, he's giving us. And I guess if we look at the character of the history or the historic version is that he was uh, in Wales and he was captured by smuggling or not Wales smuggling, sorry. Or France. Wales uh, or France. Somewhere, somewhere France. This is the thing about historic Paddy is that it's a little bit hard to pin down like a lot of things from that era. Uh, but yeah, he was captured as a slave. He was brought like the story that we all grew up with, which I think is a, is, is a semi-historical story, although it was very much presented to us as, as fact. But then a lot of Bible stories were presented to us as fact when we were in primary school. So, I don't know. But yeah, he was captured as a slave. He was brought to Ireland. He was made to work as a shepherd on the hillside. And at a certain point, he heard the voice of God telling him to run away and escaped. Um, and then came back, came back as a missionary. And actually, the thing that he did, the thing that, that we didn't have in this story is that he lit the first fire um, of Bealt of of either Bealton or Samhain, I can never remember which one. The High King was supposed to light it first, and Patrick lit it first. Um, and kind of made a power move. Yeah, yeah. I thought um, it was. I think it's Bealton. I think and, it's Bealton um, too. Yeah, I think it's Bealton. Uh, but which again, is the first of May, it, by the way? Was it Crow for, Patrick that he went up? I don't yeah. remember if he lit it on Crow Patrick or where he lit it. Um. But it, it, the first of May is Bealtaine, and it's it's a it's a kind of a, a fire festival. It's the it's the opposite side of the year to Samhain, so it's the it's the spring festival. Aaron's pointing to it on his wall chart for anyone who's able to see a podcast, <laughs> which you can do on our YouTube. There's channel. also a YouTube uh, mm. channel. Have you gone to subscribe to the YouTube channel yet? See what I did there. See what I did. You see exciting visuals like Sarah's <laughs> ongoing argument with her hair and Aaron's wall charts. That's what you get from our YouTube. Show them your um <laughs> your 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 hair thing. I'm doing yeah, man bun right now. I got a man bun. I got, I got a like a plait. Yeah. I got the world's dinkiest braid that goes this long. It's tiny. 
quite enjoying my land um, one situation. But yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you get to have wildly entertaining visuals such as the Hegarty hair. The Hegarty uh, hair. Which I'm which quite enjoying right now. Uh, Aaron enjoys it. Uh, I mean, I like that this God shows off my greys. Although, which as you know, I'm very excited about. But uh, that's the only thing I like about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Um, okay, let's get back to the story. So, so yeah, back to the story. Who else was back Patrick? I mean, like... <laughs> Who else? Well, there's this thing as well about like, apparently there were a number of missionaries that came to Ireland and that like it didn't take, like it took a few goes and Patrick was supposed to be the one who was like, oh, we have a trinity and it's three in one and here's a shamrock. And everyone went, and oh, in one. Uh, He's talking in threes. Ah, you know, I know threes. Oh, okay. And like also, also you know, fully half of our pantheon is like triple goddesses or triple gods. So presumably that was not a not an alien idea and probably the shamrock thing didn't happen. But um, yeah, so he was he was this I mean, this explain, figure that it probably the, one of. Sorry, probably one of many explain it, uh, yeah. missionaries. Explain them. Sorry, we're talking over each other. Sorry, Sam Zoom isn't doing the thing. Uh, explain the shamrock thing in like in, in its totality because that's one of the things that we kind of left out of this story. But I think it's actually just like I want to hear it again. I want you to hear you tell it to me again. Really? Like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, tell me the 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 story goes that in order to explain the concept of the Trinity, which I was always told when I was in school was a very difficult concept to grasp that God was three persons in one, that it was both three distinct personalities, Father, Son and Holy Ghost, and also the one thing. And I always was like, that's not hard to grasp. <laughs> that's pretty fucking. You just told me what it was. And I was like, uh-huh, I get you. Keep going. But everyone was like, but it's a mystery and it's super. The human mind couldn't comprehend it. And so Patrick showed people a shamrock and was like, see how this is like one plant, but three leaves. And everyone went, yes, of course, that's a super obvious thing. And he was like, one of these leaves is the father and one is the son and one is the Holy Ghost. And everyone went kabloom, mind blown. And again, I remember as a kid hearing this and going like, how hard is this to grasp? This is not like, why is why do people think this is hard to grasp? I don't know. They must have been dumb. Well, just um, like, <laughs> it's not that deep. I think, yeah. I suspect this was a religion teacher who was like, this is super deep. And I was like, it's not that deep, dude. Like all of the goddesses are triple. It's, it's, it's okay. You know, you got the fucking Hecate is triple goddess. So is Bridget. So is Morgan. You know, they're all, mm, it's actually Banbafola, Eru, Makul, Makak, Makrenia. There's a lot of three and ones. There's so many three and ones in Irish mythology. It's really not that deep. Or that new mind, body, spirit, like even just you know that. Oh that, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Aaron. I don't think I'm going to be able to understand mind, body, spirit unless you show me a shamrock. I think I you mean, really need to go and get a shamrock cool. and show it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, um, I can't. Otherwise, so it just doesn't. Compute. Th there's also the skin <laughs> in my hand, the bones in my my hand, and this gesture. Right, so they're all <laughs> the three in one representing a unit of yeah. me. No, I, 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 so that's actually something that I think we could probably talk about, which is like the, the, the baggage. We talked about it a little bit with, with Brendan, the navigator, but like the baggage around Christianity that a lot of us have and a lot of us of our generation have. Massively. I think it's, it's skipping one on our list to get to it, but we can, we can, we can circle sure. back to Sheila, um, which is like just this whole thing of like, it was something that 
became a different thing. And we kind of we kind of collapsed it for this story. Like basically for this story, we went from Celtic mystic tradition that is very, very influenced by the pagan, which is kind of Patrick and Sheila's days of like going around making prayers out of herbs and salts and wines and wafers and like having a whole kind of like very much in tandem, in step sort of a thing. And then what we did in this story is we took the moment with the Kertonok where he battles the mother of devils and sees hell as being the moment where Christianity went toxic in Ireland. <laughs> and like, again, it wasn't that fast and it wasn't that neat and it wasn't that smooth. But I do think it it very much kind of reflects uh, certainly a lot of my point of view around this stuff, which is that like, there is an awful lot of great value and depth in the Christian tradition that gets absolutely fucked if you put fear into it. And the whole idea of hell, which is not in the Bible, by the way, just like, let's be super fucking clear about that. That's not in the Bible. That is a thing that was put in to control people and keep them afraid. Um, I think it really warps all of the good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of these images of hell and all of this stuff about like being afraid of hell. And like, I know a lot of people in our parents' generation who would talk about how the hell stuff was really hammered when they were in school and when they were when they went to church like that was the thing it was like do this or you're going to burn and you are gonna and like you know you're gonna burn for eternity and you know I think there's a scene in I think it's a James Joyce book it's one of his short stories where it's like the candle is lit and like will you hold your hand in on, over that candle for one minute and if anybody can hold it for, for, over the candle for, for one minute they'll get a shilling and how do you think now, how do you think if you can't hold your hand over a candle for one minute, how, how are you going to stand an eternity of hellfire? That's one little candle flame, you know, but there you go and you say a swear, you say a bad word. That means you're going to hell. And it becomes this whole fear, power, control thing. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's 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 a weird way to go but it's obviously like again this is the whole organized religion aspect of it and this is the, like the negativity and the connotations that we have with organized religion now is just like oh yeah that's a bad idea power corrupts mm. and corrupting the populace with kind of mindsets and kind of push down perspectives on people but going back to like what we, you, you kind of you identified beautifully in, in the Patrick sections in that story is like look we're all equal he, he comes in as, as an equal state he's like right no one should be above no one's getting served no one's a king or no one's a great hero we're all basically equal and this idea of nobility is is it doesn't help anybody and we you know we've also realized that in modernity that like all right nobody really can take noble you know Mm. um kings and queens all that seriously anymore like other than you know nodding to a lovely old lady who's very nice and cool but you know i don't really take it i think people enjoy enjoy the theatricality of it these days but i don't think yeah, I think you're right. I think in most parts of the world, this idea that like royalty and nobility is like some sort of special status or special type of human is gone. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of, that's a really interesting thing that I wanted to highlight because I think one of the things that very often happens when we're talking about paganism and Christianity is that we are real romantic about the pagans. Mm-hmm. And I know I definitely had my kind of my time in my life where I was like, oh, if only it had never happened, Ireland would be a utopia. And it's like, no, it was not great. 
uh, ever. There is there was never a utopia. We've never managed it as humans. Um, we keep being human in whatever system we design. <laughs> and we're and great making, at fucking it up. We're great at fucking it up. Haven't haven't got there yet. And mm. like I think there are some very valuable ideas and very valuable perspectives from the pagan era in Ireland and in Irish mythology and in Irish storytelling. But like we talked about this when we were talking about I think Cormac McGarrett, you know, the the Brehan Law in Ireland. And like a lot of people sure. think, oh, this is like a super cool legal system that existed uh, where we had justice without prisons or police, which is an amazing concept and really, you know, good to look at and think about if you're interested in kind of restorative justice and just and, you know, movements to abolish prisons. Like, I think it's amazing, but it's also don't think of this as an as a as a perfect system, because this was a system where you were not equal before the law. Your status was considered and also everything was based on fines. And the unit of currency in the Brehan law was a cummel. And one cummel is one female slave. So before we get all utopian about uh, Christiana, about like, you know, I, Irish paganism, it's like there's, there's, some, there's some dark shit in there. And like, you know, and among other things, even though women had much higher status in Irish medieval law than they did in the rest of Europe, they were explicitly not equal to men uh, and valued less. Yeah. So there's all this kind of stuff in the background of this. And there's all this kind of stuff like that's part of, I think, the conversation. And that's why I, I really like the the title of this story as well, like the conversation of the elders, like Akalivna Signorica. It's a chat and it's a chat from two very different perspectives. And mm. one of the things that we wanted to make sure we weren't doing was saying like, hey, one of these guys is 100 percent right. And one of these guys is 100 percent wrong. And we are also telling you which is which. Because <laughs> that well, to me mean, is very lazy storytelling. It's easy to yeah. do, but it's boring. I mean, like, you know, the, the beautiful part of this is like, you know, I, I enjoy listening to this because I was listening to your sections afresh again. You know, it had been a while since we'd recorded them. And uh, hearing your line, um, once Oshin uh, proved his word with the blackberries and the uh, and, and the skillet of bread and everything, once he proved the items were as big as he said they were, and then uh, Patrick says, oh, all of his stories so were as true as the Gospels. <laughs> Which I actually happen to think is like, I meant that very literally. I know I was being a little bit cheeky, but I absolutely meant that literally as like, they are as true as the Gospels because the Gospels are a series of myths that were written down. And like, let's not right. forget that Ireland didn't have a writing system before Christianity was introduced and the people who wrote all, the, all of our myths down were the medieval monks. And however much they may have changed some bits to fit in with their own ideology, they're, they're, they're one of the main reasons why we have these stories still. So it's not like, yeah, it's not black and white, which again... Is a thing about Irish myth that I really like. Absolutely. Um, um, with the big, like a big kind of part of our learning in this whole story, I guess, really is, again, the following day. And, you know, I know we're, we're talking about maybe men and women not being equal in paganism and, and all the rest of it. But one of the lovely aspects of this story, now that we've uncovered it, and this is one of the reasons we keep on playing with it, is because of the presence of Sheila. And, uh, you know, Sheila and the gigs across Ireland are like a fascinating, on the side of churches, you just see everyone again, a little kind of stone carving of a woman with her legs spread and her vagina open. And you're like, mm -hmm. what? 
What's that doing she there? Is, she is pulling the labia open. And right? she, is a, she is a little sacred symbol that gets tucked away everywhere. There's sacred one in symbol. Tara. Yeah. There's one in the Hill of Tara. As you say, there's a lot of them on churches. Um, if you, you know, we might, we might put some links into the show notes, actually. <laughs> a couple of pictures of Sheila and the gigs for people to see. Because, like, people, it's an amazing image. It so inverts everything we think about, like, images of women today. Yeah. Because it is, like, it is, it's very centered on, like, the labia. And yet it is deeply unsexy. She's this this funny little goblin thing and she's grinning or she's winking or she's grimacing and she's like just like pulling open the flaps. And it's it's really like, like I said, it totally inverts it. It's like it's 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 quite confronting and it's quite interesting. And, And also for a very long time, these images were highly, highly, highly censored. Uh, you couldn't oh, yeah, get sure in to see them. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, you you had to get special written permission to go into a museum and see the see any of the Sheila in the gigs. For fuck's sake. <laughs> or even publish images of them. Um, Imelda was telling me about this, Imelda McCarthy, that she had to get special permission to publish some image of, of Sheila in the gig for a paper once, for an academic paper. She had to prove uh, her intent because because they were, they were pictures of ladies' naughty bits. And you can't be doing that. But they remind me of like the kind of the, the Aztec kind of like, you know, the guy's going with these giant dicks and these giant penises. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, like, what it's clearly, that? it's clearly not porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this it's, is the way I survive in the world. <laughs> yeah. As uh, in the same way that those, those very kind of phallocentric images are clearly not about pornography. It, this mm. is clearly not about porn. This is clearly about something else. And it is one yeah. of those things of like, we don't really know what it's about. Um, a friend of mine once texted, once Bula uh, said that she reckons it was, it was to, it was to, to scare off men. <laughs> it was for when the women wanted to get together, you put a shield and a gig on the door and the men will go, whoop. <laughs> Fair. Too I far. <laughs> Too weird. Huh? Mm, don't like it. They're talking about lady bits. I'm going to yep. go down to the pub with the lads. No um, worries. I'm out. I'll, I'll leave you <laughs> Again, Bye. I think it's like maybe maybe it was, uh, but you maybe. know when you think about it in our modern culture, the the fear and the stigma around talking about uh, women's like just just anatomy, not even sexuality. Mm. You know, like how many how many guys are comfortable buying tampons for a, a wife or a mother or a girlfriend? Like you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of seen as this very inherently sexualized body part. That should not, cannot be talked about ever in polite sure society. I had great fun there. No, after Christmas when we realized we were locked down in in uh, January, and you and my girlfriend were both kind of in whispered tones, going, well, "Can we get this? What are you, what are you, what are you guys ordering? What are you guys ordering?" And you're getting those little cups that you stick yeah. in. What are they called? We were both getting menstrual cups. Menstrual cups. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, both, yeah. we both. We both. Moon cups. Moon cups. cups. We both yeah. ended up locked down without a menstrual cup and had to figure out because I'd already ordered one and she wanted to order one and we were trying to like figure out the logistics of this and it was really kind of just it but, was just one of those but, funny moments. But I I just wanted to take you up on the fact that you and mum like mum was kind of like you know like and I was like all right you're getting moon cup okay do you want me to run down and see if they have them in the you know like <laughs> you were like uh, yeah cool yeah that'd be grand I'm like I've you know seen that full of blood a number of times. <laughs> At this stage, you know, it doesn't really bother me. It's not sexy. I don't think it is. I don't want it to. I'm aware of what it is and its purpose. And it's very handy because, you know, when it's not, it just gets the sheets fucking bloody. Yeah. So grand. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, I, well, I was even catching you out on being like, oh, I'm just getting a thing for myself. Yeah. Private stuff. You know? I don't know. I don't know and... how you're going to react to this. Is Are you going to feel weird about this? Oh, you're not feeling... Okay, you're not feeling weird about this. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fair. No, in terms of... I like, I, you know, like, uh, I think different people have different reactions to it or whatever. But I know, I, but it's... it's And I appreciate that you didn't have a weird reaction to it. And we're like, yeah, no, this is this is a... This is a normal bodily function. We're all sharing a house now. So we all, it's everybody's problem <laughs> to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with those sheets. Anyway, um, in terms of the, the character Sheila, I think there's a really interesting thing, whatever about the idea of Sheila and Liggy, and I'm, you know, we're not entirely sure if it just makes sense that well, that might be the same or the same kind of image, or yeah. the same archetype or the same something, something linked, something the, there, the, the power. The thing about Sheila that we should mention is that Sheila is the wife of St. Patrick. Yes. There has been a St. Sheila's Day, the day after St. Patrick's Day, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And this is something that was lost, forgotten, suppressed. Pick your, choose your adventure, maybe all three. Yeah. Um, because saints, you know, there was a certain point in, in, in the Christian tradition when saints were not supposed to get married anymore. Um, but yeah, Patrick, by tradition, Patrick had a wife and his wife was Irish and his wife was called Sheila. And her day was the 18th of March. And what you did on the 18th of March, which I did on the, on the stage in Wheelands one year, was you took the shamrock from Paddy's day and you dropped it in a glass of whiskey and you knocked it back and you drowned the shamrock. And that's that was in honor of Sheila. Um, and it was roundly condemned. Um, there was a write up. I can't remember who wrote it up, but we'll try and find it out. Um, there was a write up about it in the Irish Times a couple of years ago and I read it and it was just before we got to our, our Saints and Sinners show. And I was like, oh, man, really? There's a there's a Sheila. We got to put her in the show because mm. I had never heard that and I never mm -hmm. heard it growing up. And then what and we decided again. to do with her was uh, we kind of pulled on another storytelling tradition, which is the Ashling tradition of putting a sort of personification of Ireland as a woman into the story. So we made Sheila into, you know, Ireland. And I, but I love how, how through this story, she kind of represents the kind of divine, the divine feminine, the, the softer touch, the one that comes to Patrick when he needs to be told when to run away, the one that says you're calling for me with a different voice. You know, you're internally very spiritual and you're doing kind of God's work as it were, or whatever spiritual work that is needed for this time. And, you know, come with me or, or team up mm. with me we'll do it together but it's a very much a team up with me because she's she doesn't seem to have the masculine to help her with her feminine you know energy mm. and and the balance seems to be we can do this together and mm. you know it's the time after the Fianna have gone away it's the time whatever way of history you want to look at it it's that it may be the dark hours of you know some level of uh, you know, moving away from paganism, moving into some other level of disbelief and disharmony and war and suffering or whatever it is. Yeah. But it, it, this time was ripe for, it was needed because there was a lot of suffering going on. Yeah. People needed something to believe in. You know, that I think kind that of was, thing. Is, that kind of thing as well of like Ireland, you know, Ireland as a, as a collection of warring kingdoms. Uh, is also very true of, of a lot of our history. You know, Ireland, there, the times that Ireland was united uh, has, has been far outnumbered by the times that Ireland was not united. 
uh, and was a group groups of people fighting against each other is is way deeper tradition. Although we have the myths of the high kings, and although we have the stories of unity, and we have the stories of like a, an island living in in kind of peace and harmony, uh, a lot of the time this was an island of many different kingdoms that fought amongst themselves. And this is kind of the situation. This is the mm. context into which Patrick is being introduced as like a figure who maybe has something different to say. And like, I to be honest, that's also like, I don't think an idea like Christianity, particularly the way it spread in Ireland, because this was not, this was not spread by the Roman Empire with their swords. This was this was spread by people going, oh, I like that. I'll I'll I I agree with that. And like you, you think about the, the the Skellig monks, and I think I, I mentioned them last week as well. These little stone huts out on the edge of fucking existence, and these tiny little communities. And like, you know, to be clear, we're not saying they were all like that. They weren't all little harmonious little utopian communities of people working and living together. The hierarchy came in, and like I remember going to Mellifond Abbey one time and uh, hearing about how you know these French monks came over. And could build in stone, which was not a technology that we had in Ireland at all. All the chieftains lived in mud huts and they built this beautiful abbey in stone. And what immediately happened was all the local chieftains came around and started giving them gifts because that was what you did. And so they suddenly went from being poor monks to being incredibly wealthy. And then suddenly they had a status and then suddenly they had land. And then suddenly they were like important people in the community. And like that was because that was the Irish way of dealing with, you know, honoring people and, and kind of, you know, respecting people. And so suddenly that changes everything right. because then you're like, oh, I've got a status and I've got a rank and I've got a I've got a I've, I've got an actual power here. And most people, when they're handed that go, oh, I like I like I, I like that. I like this. I'll keep this. I'm having this now. This is mine. <laughs> and so and that was also, I guess, very much course. what happened. Yeah. And like the chief, the and of course, the chieftains and the monks and the, and the the power structures and the hierarchies, they all kind of started to come in together. And the, you know, this this idea of Paddy's little perfect community that he has there is not one that I'm like. I'm not saying that's how it that's how it stayed. Sure, and like that, like obviously, there's a whole like you, the kings were divinely chosen by God because that's what happened when it became you know like not it here. just became. No, but like <laughs> in, in Europe and so, I mean, like, you know, it was like, okay, that's where, that's how we're figuring out. And here we just got invaded by the British who were fucked. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know, you our know, kings, so. our kings were, were, you know, you had to be of the line of kings, but you were elected Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to be a king. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's a good 500 years between when uh, Patrick is supposed to have introduced Christianity uh, and, and when like uh, the Battle of Clontarf, when Brian Beru would have died with the Vikings and kind of the first settlements of the Normans or the kind of the what we call the the, the ancestors of the British coming in and, and take taking uh, land in, in the Pale or whatever. So like there's but like yeah. it's, it's all kind of grey and then you're not really sure what happens exactly spe- specifically I mean, with was, how power is passed on. Yeah, and there was never there was never a time that Ireland wasn't uh, being invaded or colonized or raided by somebody, including other Irish people. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, we're guilty, and anyone like. Now we we do end this story, and like it's kind of a funny one. I kept thinking, I went cool. So like we kind of book ended this story with like the chat. You could tell the story, you know, in ten minutes. It's the story of 
Patrick accusing Oshin that he's a liar and he goes off and proves it to him by digging up a horn to blow the magic birds will fly and they're as big as a cow and uh, <laughs> in its claws is a berry and he proves the berry and, and the leaf are as big as a churn of butter and, and a thing of bread uh, a skillet of bread and so like sure you have this proof and it's, that's the little kind of story that, that we kind of decided to bookend this long winded version of this story is long telling because we were kind of saying fuck we'll just pack everything in here if people go for a big long walk and I'm curious to hear how people find find it in comparison to the shorter stories too yeah. like are you able to fully immerse yourself into it does it get difficult to listen to for a long time without the visual like with us on stage we're there we're giving the voices we're having the kind of so is yeah I'm, I'm curious I'm quite visual I like to watch things is it something that people can tend to can take in through the whole narrative and you know get in touch let us know i'm very curious we're just Mm. constantly playing around with these things and this was an experiment i guess uh we really did enjoy putting it together and i guess we went off on on a couple of tangents and we just allowed ourselves but the biggest kind of uh edit that you found in 2019 was to end the story in hell (laughs) you know and like kind of which goes kind of like we're proving that Patrick was right we're saying that you know the fear is actually justified (laughs) you know it's a story (laughs) I mean listen I I I like that as an ending Mm. because it proves them both right doesn't it because like Patrick says if you don't believe me you're going to hell and Oshin says well if I go to hell all the Fianna are in hell and there's no way the Fianna will be kept in hell because they're the fucking Fianna and if they're in hell, they will either be have overthrown the devil or they'll have broken out. And then you have a story of them breaking out. And it's like, yeah, they're both right. There's a hell. And when you go there, if you have the heart and the mind and the soul of the warrior of the Fianna, you get back out again because that that can't hold you. And I kind of love that idea of like, you know, it's it's something that um, I remember Neil Gaiman's kind of Sandman stuff does as well, where like, you know, hell is a place for the guilty. The people who feel guilty, who feel like they need to be punished, are the ones who go to hell. Mm. Um, and like this idea of if you don't believe that, that can't actually hold you. If you don't feel like you, you need to be punished, what what can what can hold a soul? You know what I mean? Like, so I I really like that. Is like I oh, I like I it, it as a as a kind of a a both and uh, ending because yeah. it ties them both up and it says yes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is maybe a darkness uh, and in, in, you know, and if there is an afterlife, maybe maybe it's not all sunshine and lollipops and rainbows and maybe that's fine. And also there are some people who are not contained by that. And I yeah, love, yeah. you know, Oscar is such a fucking. At some point, we'll tell the Battle of Gaura because I just love that. It's such a great Oscar story. Um, he's such or a the lunatic. Of uh, or the Battle of Gavra. <laughs> yes, we do very much have completely different <laughs> pronunciations for that um, which is normally Sorry like for it's one of those to be honest yeah. it's one of those things where on stage whichever one of us says it first the other one will be like all right fine i guess we're doing it that way this time <laughs> when we were recording this at different recording. times it was like well i'm doing it my way well i'm doing it my way okay we have two different pronunciations which is fine because you can Oops. say it both ways um so but yeah and we must, it's like pissing into the wind something. anyway trying to fucking get the definitive pronunciation you, of anything is like as you love to literally say literally pissing in the wind it so. is 
it is not literally <laughs> pissing in the wind. I do not piss in the wind. But it is figuratively <laughs> call. pissing in the wind. I like it. <laughs> um, I will say one last thing that always jumps to mind when I think of like Tiernan Og and even hell being something that people can kind of experience or whatever. Uh, this story always, uh, you know, reminds me of, well, I guess it always like highlights the the bit of Oshin saying like, why would I bother converting and going to heaven? I've literally been in Tiernan Og and I got bored. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to experience the kind of the, the whole, you know, multifaceted aspects of human nature, the good, the bad and the ugly, the everything in between and not just the the bliss. And when you only the have the bliss, you know, it, 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 it reduces it. And so he's lived through heaven. Mm. And so he's probably lived through hell and he has no fear of either. And so he's happily happy to kind of close his eyes and, and be wherever he finds himself. And that's kind of how I feel of the story for me in the, in the end where, where we come out of is like the, both the heaven and the hell is something we can live through and experience no matter where we are. So we can be in the pits and on depression and struggle through things like a lot of people have in this last fucking year. Let's not be fucking shy about saying it like this Mm -hmm. year has been fucking tough for a lot of people. And, you know, and yet there's still ways of finding your way out, like following that road that the Fianna have paved through hell and following out of there and finding your way back to whatever level of fucking bliss and our rightness that you can find yourself in, you know, Which I think that's important. Also go away again for a while because nothing lasts forever. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's fine. That's cool. But yeah, no, Chin up, lads. Chin up. Chin up. Like the man said, if you're going through hell, keep fucking going. Yeah. It's not the end. <laughs> Just the start of the story. Class. Um, we will be telling Oscar and the Battle of Gaura, Gavra, and whatever you want to call it. And ah. uh, Quilty McRonald might link in there as well. Someone he links in there nicely. Yeah, I know. And we we told that um, we saw that live a couple of times, but it's not on the podcast yet. Uh, but yeah, no, we're talking about. Um, we actually have been talking about what stories well, to tell over the summer. So if anybody has anything that we haven't told, send us it in a request. Yeah. Uh, Requests are always welcome. Yeah, we're kind of making. We have our. Uh, we're going to be doing the Book of Invasions after uh, this series so that's look we're looking forward to that and um yeah let us know if you have any recommendations or requests but before we end now i just want to say that we got a shout out on reddit and that was really lovely and thank you very much for everyone who have been uh, listening to us if you've listened to us through uh, just finding us on reddit you're only listening to us for the first time and uh, you know we've lots of other stories so hope you can go back and listen to some other ones uh, do get in touch if you have any questions or feedback for us we do love hearing from you thank you all for reaching out to us it means a huge amount and um somebody commented on the reddit post that uh he was listening to uh the fireside bard and he does a very similar thing he uses music and he tells stories and he chats about them afterwards funny thing we're gonna have kevin uh from fireside bard uh telling us uh, the voyage of bran very soon and we'll be chatting to him afterwards at the end of the month on a live stream so Tap in, join on, uh, the, tap into the discussion and join us on YouTube and we'll be chatting about the Voyage of Bran with Kevin who uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to about stories and mythology and mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. and all of that stuff in between. Absolutely, that will be on the 28th and we will be live streaming. So yeah, join Deadly. us. Join uh, us, 
cool. Take it easy. Keep her lit. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the stories. And we'll catch you next time. Yay. You. <laughs>